Hey there, freaks. It's your boy Marty Bent here to introduce this week's episode of Rabbit Hole Recap. Matt and I just had an incredible rip. Drank some Mictors. Talked about some stuff. I think you guys are going to like it. This episode of Rabbit Hole Recap was brought to you by the Cash App. You freaks already know all about them. They're letting you do many things. All right, You get their boost program. You get their, you get their boost card. You, you uh, put your signature on it. You personalize it. You get that. And then you activate your boost uh, when you go to their partner merchants. I used it at the grocery store the other day. It saved $5. On top of that, they're letting you stack sats. Okay, you can Stack sats. You can receive sats. You can send sats. You can sell sats. Not recommended, but you can if you want to. All right, and they just teased it, Miles Suter, from the Cash App tease that they're about to make Sats the standard, and they're going to add auto buys for you freaks. It's a feature you guys have been waiting for. It got teased today. I don't have it yet. Can't confirm it. Seems like it's coming, though. And then on top of that, they have Cash App investing. Uh, not a great day to buy stonks, or maybe it is if you're buying dips. Uh, you can buy stat. You can buy stonks now on the Cash App based Cash App investing. All right, if your favorite stonk is a little too expensive, Cash App is letting letting you buy as little as one dollar. All right, you can stack slivers of stonks now, and because uh, Cash App is connected to your bank account, there's no four to five day waiting periods. You can buy that shit right away. All right, uh, Cash App investing is a subsidiary of Square, a member SIPC, and as always, use the code Stacking Sats. You should probably listen to the. To the end of the episode before you consider stacking stonks, though. Yeah, definitely listen to the end of the episode. <laughs> um, use the code stacking sats when you download the Cash App. You're going to get $10, and $10 is going to go to our good friends at Owls Lacrosse. You know what? Maybe Owl is in such a dirtbag. He actually sent me uh, an, an owl. He right? sent him a fucking owl. It's a fucking, oh my God. It's an owl. It's, yeah, I've got an owl here from Owl. All right. Use the code stacking sats. You're. You're going to get $10, and $10 is going to go to our friends at Owls Lacrosse. And it seems like Owl's turning into a nice guy. All right? The whiskey burp there. Uh, this episode is also brought to you by our friends at Unchained Capital. They're doing incredible things, uh, creating financial services for Bitcoiners. All right? I actually uh, opened up a vault this week. Uh, the process is seamless. Uh, the uh, combination of their... Uh, walkthrough process and caravan makes you comfortable throughout the whole process. I felt completely comfortable setting up a vault this week. Um, so basically the vault is you have two of three keys uh, where you can use a ledger or a trezor. Uh, they're working on cold card. You hold two keys. Unchained holds one. And if you ever need them to sign, uh, they will sign for you. On top of that, they have their uh, collateralized loan product. All right. It, friends don't let friends sell Bitcoin. If you want to get some liquidity and you don't want to sell Bitcoin, you can get a collateralized loan. You put Bitcoin up, you get cash. You just pay back that loan, you keep your Bitcoin. All right, on top of that, they're doing a bunch of open source stuff, including Caravan, which is mentioned earlier, Slip39, Hermit, and they have their incredible blog series. Go check it out, unchained-capital.com, unchained-capital.com. Enjoy the episode. You've had a dynamic where money's become freer than free. If you talk about a Fed just gone nuts, all, all the central banks going nuts. So it's all acting like safe haven. I believe that in a world where central bankers are tripping over themselves to devalue their currency, Bitcoin wins. In the world of fiat currencies, Bitcoin is the victor. I mean, that's part of the bull case for Bitcoin. If you're not paying attention, you probably should be. Probably should be. Probably should be. <sighs> Hey there, freaks. It's your boys, Barney and Matt. 
back here for another edition of Rabbit Hole Recap. How we doing, Matt? Convinced Marty to drink whiskey with me, uh, so that's good. Well, the Michters is uh, it's hard to turn down. I enjoyed a couple glasses during the uh, the Fury Wilder fight over the weekend. It feels like a Michters kind of week. It does. It does. A lot going on. Uh, before we jump into the topics, we'll talk about uh, the price. Price has fallen a bit this week. Matt's feeling bullish. Show it might fall a little bit further. Right, uh, according bullish to- as fuck. That's for my safe haven. According to Clark uh, Moody's Bitcoin dashboard, we're currently at $8,872. One of the stats we're going to get at here. Tor capacity uh, on Lightning going down. Definitely going down. I think we're at 39.5 last week. 39.3%. Massive drop. Massive drop. Um, Clark added a, a new section to this mining economics. Um, with average fees and average fees versus the subsidy right now, fees versus the subsidy is pretty low, 1.44%. Um, average fees per block are 0.18 BTC. Um, uh, the halving is coming up, still estimated to be happening on May 9th of this year. We're 10,746 blocks away, and the average black time, black time, the average block time, uh, this period is right around 10 minutes, 10 minutes and one second. It's getting right by uh, the target that's so she said out there. Um, what other stats do we want to look at here? I think that's it. Um, we got a lot to talk about this week. Should we start uh, start with the the gossip of the week? We're gonna add the ads after. Yeah, yeah, we'll add them after. Um, it actually would. Eh. Yeah, we'll add, we already said it. We added it after. <laughs> we'll just talk about Cash App in the show. Um, fucking Trace, man. Is that where we're going to start? I mean, that's the gossip of the week. So that's apparently, the gossip of the week. Uh, Tone Vase had his unconfiscatable uh, conference over the weekend in Vegas. A bunch of Bitcoiners were there. American Hoddle took to the Twitter airwaves to announce that uh, he spent some time with Trace and Trace handed him a piece of paper that was shilling uh, Mimble Wimble coin and he thinks it's going to surpass Bitcoin. Which none of us had ever heard of, even. Never heard right? of it. The bottom of the barrel shitcoin. Is, is it a fork or grin? It is, yeah, presumably. With a huge pre-mine. It's got like a 50% pre-mine. And I, honestly, the website reads like Trace fucking wrote it. Like it's talking about like hodlers of last resort and stuff. So wouldn't be surprised if he holds like a chunk of that pre-mine. But like Trace has been bothering me lately, as all the freaks know, to begin with. Because first he shilled Ballet Crypto, which we called him out on. Um, and because Ballet Crypto pre-generates your keys before they send them to you, and not your keys, not your coins. So it seems super reckless to promote it. So I didn't understand that. And then he went on this whole tour where he was talking shit about... Um, coin joins. Yeah, and coin joins and no KYC. He was basically repeating like Nouriel's narratives, right? He was saying... Um, if you don't, if you use a non-KYC service to buy your Bitcoin, like you're connected to terrorists and North Koreans, he would say. And like he, he said the same thing about CoinJoin users, like CoinJoin users. So he was like inherently, he was pitching that, that users were criminal. Users seeking privacy were criminal, even though companies like Chain Analysis, who are in the business of overstating these numbers, even they say that what, their number was like 11% of CoinJoin use is connected to illicit activity. And you would expect them to overstate it. So it's probably even less than that. 
But meanwhile, he's going on this whole road show where he's talking about it. He's talking to regulators in Wyoming, and I'm just like imagining him in the room, you know, like laughing with the regulators saying that like Bitcoiners who use CoinJoin and no KYC are terrorists and stuff. And then, so that made no logic to me. It, 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 it I was really disappointed in that. And that's, um, but it all kind of makes sense when you find out he's shilling this, uh, you know, this privacy focused shitcoin. Yeah, I think uh, Ty Kawamoto, good friend of the show, made a made a good comment on this uh, in reference to Trace's poo pooing of coin joins. Don't don't coin join because exchanges are afraid that the government will get mad. Is extremely cypherpunk. It's just completely against the ethos. It's not even that because fuck you, Trace. Like if like. We speak into the mic. Even if you don't want it for yourself, even if you don't want, you don't think your risk profile tolerates, you know, seeking better privacy when using Bitcoin. Um, you don't have to. You could just be quiet about it. You don't have to go around fudding it and and trying to stop other users from using it. And then the second thing is, is like, if if. If regulators, if he convinces regulators that coin joining should be a criminal act and that non-KYC is a criminal act, like, what do you think the regulators are going to do about someone who's, like, pumping a privacy-focused shitcoin? Like, how is, any, 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 if there's a coin join ban, there'll be a ban on any, uh, all privacy-focused stuff, any, any shitcoin that offers privacy. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, so it doesn't even make logical sense. Yeah, it's not logically consistent at all. Um. And hey, I don't want to talk shit on anybody particularly here. I do, but it—I mean, I mean, it is disheartening to see somebody who markets himself as a hodler of last resort and has been doing incredible stuff for Bitcoin. But he was never really like he was shilling shit in the past too. Like he was shilling Pivx at one point. I think he was shilling Dash at one point. Um, also, you know, huge shit coins. Um, I forgot about. Pivx. But this is like the low of the low. I mean, this is like. He's probably like one of like the five holders of Mimblewimble coin. Yeah, this is and the- he like printed it out on these little sheets of paper, and you know, and it was like good money, hundred x gains. Yeah, you promised a hundred x gains. He's like pretty, passing it to people. Promising a hundred x gains pretty is pretty unethical. And I think Francis Paulette pulled up the chart and, and crashed uh, precipitously over the weekend too. But um, in order, I'm way more triggered by his all of his anti-privacy rhetoric. Um, like specifically there was like a video interview of him during unconfiscatable and he said specifically he said users of non-kyc why why would you pay 10 percent over a spot to buy terrorist bitcoin <laughs> um and and then laughed he just laughed like like it, it just the laugh really triggered me um there's no place for that yeah it's uh again it's disheartening to see you hate to see it. Privacy isn't criminal. It's a great. It's definitely not criminal. It should be uh, protected at all cost. And like we said many times on this podcast, KYC AML does more harm than good. Like you're you're intentionally cattle herding people into uh, practices that that do not protect their data. And this is the guy who's like sitting with regulators and like helping craft all this regulation in Wyoming, you know, you got to keep that in mind. And then the other thing is like, if he had fucking an ounce of integrity, like he would respond to all of the criticism that's going on right now. He's just been completely radio silent. He's just ignoring the whole fucking thing. You know, like you already have no fucking integrity left for, 
for fighting privacy, Bitcoin privacy, and then shilling this shitcoin project at the same fucking time secretly like not even saying it publicly and then like you're not going to come up and defend your actions like if he means it in good faith like if we're truly misunderstanding him which we're fucking not like he should come out and defend himself he should like i think that proves that there's not really anything to to defend there's no leg to stand on there it is but it's a great example something we say a lot on the show don't have heroes in the space don't ever trust us and then if you do have heroes sometimes you're gonna have to kill them as is tradition this is just it happens every cycle huh yeah it is crazy is this like the rage quit before the before the uh, massive bull run doesn't seem like a rage quit it seems like a, a silent rage quit it's more like a roger move or a... yeah it's not a mike hearn rage quit no because mike hearn like went to r3 and also like i don't think anyone thinks like it's like vinnie lingham level trace isn't selling all of his bitcoin right he's not i hope not for his yeah. sake um yeah that was uh fuck oh, that shit that was, that was gossip talk not even gossip it's real it's not gossip i mean that shit happened um no it is fucked up uh, it, like definitely it definitely happened he definitely was passing the paper especially since he hasn't first of all we had like reliable sources tell us that was the case and then not only that he hasn't defended himself um and regardless of all of that He's been on air multiple times trying to paint Bitcoin users as, as criminals and go fuck himself for that alone. I think this is a good segue into this topic, which we have further down the list. Oh, but. one more thing. Sorry. Apologies. Mimble Wimblecoin is only on one really shitty exchange. It's like Hotbit or something it's called. And it got, uh, it got 51% attacked. <laughs> um, so there are activist miners out there. You know, I... I been waiting for something similar to happen uh, to Bcash after the weekend. Bcash has to be, yeah, it was like yesterday it happened. Boss, boss, yeah, fifty percent pre mine. Uh, pretty sure there was an airdrop involved too. I think it dropped like eighty percent yesterday. Or something it's like got that. all the uh, the makings of a of a shit coin. It's a straight pumping up. It's like the it's absolute bottom of the barrel shit coin. Yeah, it's, and it's like, like there's different levels of shit coin. Yeah, and this one is like the prototypical uh, Bitcoin has these flaws. My shit coin fixes it. Um, right and also let me go around for six months and fud about those flaws and make them like fearmonger as much as possible about the flaws and then and then buy my shit coin yes please please buy my shit coin don't ever buy the shit coins freaks uh, they're scammers everywhere everyone's a scammer and they're all trying to get your bitcoin uh perfect segue into a topic that's further down the list but might as well put it up uh, next to this topic, we're all poll usage just broke last month's all time high. Uh, Fuck yes, you've been. Uh, Who's the sexy creature who uh, who made that graph? That was you. I mean, there you go. What about what happened to staying humble? All right, staying humble. Well, you know, <laughs> the freaks want to dump, so so no humble Matt today. When did you? Um, two days ago, I think. Two days ago, so there's still four days left in the month. Uh, yeah, there's. Right. At that point. Um, and it already broke the all-time high that it hit last month. Yeah, so last month, all-time high was 356.65 Bitcoin across all pools. As of two days ago, in February, it hit 368.05 BTC with the uh, 50 million sat and uh, 5 million sat pools growing uh, and the 1 million sat pool uh, falling, falling quite a bit. Yeah, I... Uh it's important to realize that they're low, but they, they're growing. 
Yes. Right? Yes. And today, mobile mixing actually got released. So yeah, you I can just that. install the Samurai app, um, and then you can just scan your Dojo QR code, and you're up and running Whirlpool, uh, CoinJoins, with no computer. You don't need a computer. You just need a node, a node and a phone. Yeah. And you could do it without. You could do it without the Dojo node, but then you're sending your XPubs to their servers. So you should really uh, be. And then so so they can. can if, if they were malicious or if someone got into the server, they could connect the addresses to each other. So ideally, you want to run your own node. Um, just in all cases, when with Bitcoin privacy is concerned, you want to be running your own node. But Dojo's nice in that um, it's very Uncle Jim compatible. So you can uh, easily, all, all, all your friends and family have to do to connect to your node is just scan your QR code. I liked your uh, CK Bunker Uncle Jim meme the other week. How good was that? That was a good one. Dude, CK Bunkers just got me going because you could use it in coin joint situations and lightning situations in addition to just regular multi-sig. And those are both, you know, with with these new coin joint implementations and obviously with lightning, like you have hot wallets. We have like hot wallets that we're keeping larger amounts of Bitcoin in than we've, we have in the past. Um, so it'd be nice to be able to use something like CK Bunker and, and make them warm. Yeah. No, I had a... Um a big uh, Bitcoin week for your boy, making a lot of wallets, um, cleaning a lot. I use Wasab. Wasab. The point I'm trying to get to: Wasabi and Cold Card together, are fucking incredible. Yeah, I really uh, like the hardware wallet interface. Yeah, it uh, makes it a lot easier. And again, practice makes perfect. I hadn't um, made a PSBT in probably a month or two, um, and it sort of came back pretty naturally. It was like riding a bike. It felt like the way they have it set up. I played with Fully Noted this week. Uh, fully noted too, um, and they also use PSBTs. Uh, it's fucking. It's a slick interface. It's really user friendly, but also great for advanced user. You know. Yeah. Like it shows you all the information you want to see there. Uh, it so you it easily creates a multi sig wallet where one key is your node, one key is your phone, and one key is your paper wallet that they give you through the phone. Um, so there's obviously some security and privacy trade-offs because it's running through an iPhone. Uh, but in terms of like accessibility for an average user to be able to use their own node in multi-sig um, and craft transactions using PSBT, uh, we're close. It, it seems like really, really close. A dream is coming together, freaks. And then uh, other Bitcoin usage well, this we, week. We needed to... Uh, Correct the guys something. from Fully Noted reached out to us last week. Um, it looks like Christopher Allen and Blockchain Commons did a lot more work on Fully Noted than I, we thought when we first spoke. Um, Fontaine, who's the developer behind Fully Noted 1, mainly focused on the... the server side, right? Yeah, the, the computer app. They have this app called StandUp where you just run it on your computer and it automatically runs a Bitcoin node and... Um, configures it all through Tor for you and gives you that QR code that you can just scan. I love the connecting to a node with just scanning a QR code. Um, I'm going to make QR codes great again, freaks. Yeah. And so Blockchain Commons is taking donations. BTCpay.blockchaincommons.com. Yeah. So if you like it, do that. But right now it's testnet only. So go play with it. Um, contribute back <coughs> uh, if you're capable. Even just bug reports, stuff like that uh, is always very helpful. Yes, the more eyes, the better. Um, and then, yeah, I guess we'll 
wrap up our our toying around with bitcoin products this week disclaimer these guys are a sponsor but i did set up a, a vault for inheritance this week with unchained and their their vault onboarding process was pretty seamless it was very easy very comfortable um i was able to uh confirm my redeem scripts uh by myself using caravan um basically guarantee or uh not guarantee but uh verify my my pub keys and stuff like that as well using caravan it was very um very slick very easy very good onboarding process unchained also had a happy hour here in new york this week it was a great time great to see some bitcoiners out there um and talking to parker and will uh and joe kelly uh it seems like they have a lot of cool stuff up their sleeve yeah i was bummed i missed that yeah you were missed you were missed um always good when bitcoiners get together drink some beers and talk talk about multi-sig but um yeah caravan's a fucking game changer yeah i love it it's i mean and just like from ux perspective it's very straightforward very easy to use um so shout out to the unchained team uh this was something that dropped right after we recorded last week and somebody we've been talking about a lot in the, uh, in the last few weeks is our boy 6102 bitcoin Dropped, up? dropped some infographics on taint chain analysis. Yeah, I think I teased this last week that it was coming out and then dropped like immediately after. Um, and block listing. He's got some nice infographics that sort of uh, explain how some chain analysis companies define taint and, and explains why that's subjective and sort of isn't logically consistent if you're... if you're um, These infographics are just dope. Yeah, it goes through different types of coin joins too, so... Yeah, and like what the chain analysis company sees and how they might interpret it, and you should definitely check them out. Yeah. Um, the link we gave you in the, it's 6102bitcoin.com slash projects. You have to scroll down. Make sure you, you scroll down to the infographic section. Yeah, he's got a thread on Twitter too. Um, another big announcement this week. Uh, the boys at ZBD, the uh, the gaming company. This is fucking awesome. Uh, Andre Nevis is a big uh, big contributor to the bit devs here in New York. He usually takes the lightning section and runs with it since Willow Byrne has left us to Austin, uh, to better pastures in Austin. Um, but yeah, so ZBD uh, is the gaming company that Andre is co-founder of, and they basically announced this week they have a developer dashboard in Unity SDK, so a developer kit. And so basically they're making it easy for indie game developers or large game developers to um, insert sats into their games. And so they've built this developer kit and then a dashboard uh, from which game developers, gaming developers can track what's going on in their games and how stuff's moving around. So it seems like it's a good step forward um, towards uh, creating like a native currency across the globe for, for gaming. One step closer to sats becoming the standard. One step closer. So, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I know you're, you're hot on massive. gaming. I, I wrote about it on the bent this week, and I, I'm going to be super overly bullish about it. You almost ratioed me when you answered my question. Uh, gaming th- is gambling. Yeah, is Just it with though? Shitty returns. It is. Explain that. Well, that's why I love gaming and gambling. I mean, they're they're one and the same. Basically, Gam- with gaming, you're you're putting in time and money, and you're getting something in return. It's usually vanity stuff. Yeah, in most games, it's just bullshit vanity. But, like, if you could get money in return, then it would be better. It's it's basically my... That's my uh, thesis. How do we get, like... How do we get this in the esports world? Like, all these tournaments that we see. I think it will just naturally... Well, first of all, SDKs like this are fucking huge because 
we don't want the game develop the game developers don't have to be bitcoiners no right they should just be able to plug it in and that's what zbd is doing yeah um which that's why it's fucking huge <clears throat> but i i think i think we will see up and coming studios you know smaller gaming companies will integrate this stuff first and they will prove out the model um and i think gamers will gravitate towards games that that do have you know an open an open currency system in place you know bitcoin they have sats so you can actually move you know get financial return and move it out of the game it's not just stuck in in these closed gardens but the thing is the game developers like their walled gardens right they don't want you to fortnite would prefer if your v bucks are stuck on fortnite um because then you can't go spend it on a competing game or go spend it at a bodega right exactly um so that's why those big the big franchises and the big studios they're not going to implement it first but as gamers start to it, it same idea with fortnite fortnite uh was the first triple a major title to go the freemium model mm-hmm. so it's completely free to play but all those vanity stuff like the skins and everything you have to you have to buy dance moves um and now <clears throat> we see tons of other triple a titles moving to the free model with paid content and everyone said that was never going to happen but all it took was fortnite being a smashing success and then they they had no choice yeah. that's what the customer demanded yeah and it's multifaceted too so not only is the customer going to get sats and be able to make sats on the game for these indie developers that aren't as big as the Fortnites yet? Uh, it's a good way for them to monetize their products too, um, within game, within game paywalls and stuff like that. And that's been a problem for the indie gaming industry, from what I can tell. Um, again, I'm not a huge gamer these days, but ZBD wrote it in their Medium post where they announced this SDK that this could also be used for these indie gamers to help monetize. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, I mean, that's why we see so many shitty mobile games, right? Where they have like a bunch of ads, like pay to win stuff like that. Yeah, and then um, um, yeah. So if you freaks don't remember, Andre uh, was with Koala Studios before they uh, dissolved, and this was their dream uh, to build a developer kit. And it seems like Andre's taken that to ZBD and and brought it to fruition. So shout out to ZBD, shout out to Andre and team. You guys are putting the team on your back. <clears throat> Some of my throat. Sats will be the standard in gaming. It just makes too much sense. Right? Like Super Bowl. Especially the global nature of gaming, right? Just being able to send it all around the world, not to worry about conversion costs or anything. I'm like on that. like a 12 year old kid in Thailand to spawn camp me and get paid for it. That's all I want. I don't think that's too much to ask for. But are people going to want to like spend their sats? Yeah. I spend way too much. I've like my lifetime, the amount of money I've spent on games. I don't want to talk about like, it's too much. Right. So like, why, why should the developer be the only one who makes that money? It's just, you just, you're just splitting up how much, how much of that money the developer gets. And some of it goes to better players than you. Yeah, that's true. Um, if you don't want to spend your sats though, Casa, they announced their inheritance uh, this is interesting. product this week. So, uh, Three of six keys. Uh, one key goes to a lawyer. Mm-hmm. One key goes to your heir. Um, what, you have, what is the setup? You have a key on your phone. You have a key 
You have you have a key on your phone. Two keys held by the user. One key is held by the air. Right, I got that right. One key is in a safe deposit box, and one key is held by Casa. Yes. The safe deposit key is passed to the air. Once you die. Through like the normal estate process, like a lawyer will pass the safe deposit access, and then the air can grab it from there. Yes. So then, the, then the air has two keys, and the, they combine that key with Casa's key to have three keys and then they have the quorum to spend three of six. Mm-hmm. Interesting setup. Very interesting setup and something that's been uh, desperately needed in the space. Inheritance is something uh, more recently that I've been freaking out more about. Um, it's something that really doesn't come to your mind until you have to think about it. And it's been on top of my mind recently. And I'm happy that these products are coming to market. And again, it's stuff like everybody likes to, oh, it's too hard to use. Nobody's technical enough to use this stuff. Yeah, right now, but just wait. Things are getting better. Well, what I like about this is, like, it doesn't really require the air to be that technical. The air just knows how, they know they have to protect that one key they have, which is, in Casa's case, they go seedless, so it's either a treasure or a ledger, and in the near future, it should be a cold card. Um, so they keep this one hardware wallet safe. They remember the pin for that, and they just know that they're, and, and Casa is going to walk them through it in that situation because Casa has one key as well. Um, it's weird to shield my own project, but... Uh, now we were talking about this before we This is like exactly the type of setup that I envision Final Message being useful for, finalmessage.io, uh, which is that, that one key that's held in the user's safe deposit box, you could put that key in a final message... Um, encrypted email to the recipient and then that way it just acts as redundancy so even if if final message the you know the main trust issue with final message is you have to trust us to actually send the email um, when the time comes Uh, with the this setup the one issue is you have to trust the lawyer to be able to uh, you have to trust the lawyer to and the legal system to actually transfer ownership of the safe deposit box to the air. And you also have to trust the bank to protect the safe <coughs> deposit box. Um, so you can create redundancy around that. Yeah. Which is nice. Yeah. And then since you have the safe deposit box key, you don't really have to trust final message that much. If we don't send it, it's still in the safe deposit box. Yeah. So you could keep, yeah. You this is nice. Redundancy. Redundancies here, man. Redundancies are important. And yeah. again, it seems to be getting easier. Um, and more robust, which is, which is beautiful to see. I mean, in the last year alone, like multi-sigs, like blown up Casa or not Casa, excuse me, unchained, uh, wrote a sponsored post on Bitcoin magazine, uh, earlier this week about 2020 being the year of, uh, multi-sig. And it seems like that's coming together. Um, PSBT coming out. That seems to be blowing up more. Um, mobile fucking mixing mobile mobile mixing is here dude i am so bullish on this fucking like i've been playing with this whirlpool app the samurai wallet app on the phone with the whirlpool built in for three weeks now and now anyone who downloads it from like google play or their GitLab gets it yeah and i I think massive and i think people are are waking up that it's important i saw um somebody tweeting at stefan and samurai wallet um, after they listened to his episode, I think it was Andrew D. D. Mark Angelo, who does not like my pica. Get over it, Andrew. Um, he bought a Raspberry Pi and uh, a bunch of stuff. He bought an Android phone. <laughs> an Android the phone. The iPhone users have to all buy Android phones. He bought the... When iOS app. <laughs> never happening. It's never going to happen. <laughs> but 
No, it seems like... You should have a dedicated... I think it makes more sense, especially if you plan on um, keeping your wallet online and remixing all the time. Like, it makes sense to have a dedicated phone. Yeah, that makes sense, probably. Like, even if you're an Android user, like, use the last phone you had or whatever. Yeah, but the point I'm trying to get at is, as it gets easier, it seems that people are uh, stepping out and actually getting the stuff in their hands and, and using it. Uh, it's just going to take time. And time is Slow passing. and steady. Slow and steady. Tortoise in the hair here. The tortoise is, uh, is going to win this game in the long run. Um, you mentioned cold card in that last bit. <clears throat> uh, less than a week, or exactly a week after their last update, uh, they released version 3.1.2 today. Um, this enhances... Uh, couple enhancements, new setting to enable a scrambled numeric keypad during pin login, which is pretty cool. Um, press 4 when viewing a payment address triggered by USB command to see the QR code on screen. It's for the MK3 only. Uh, you can enter non-zero account numbers when exporting wallet files for, for Electrum and Bitcoin Core. This makes importing seeds from other systems easier and safer. Uh, dims the display when entering HSM mode because uh, I, I it has to be on at all times, so it's just a... Correct. Yeah. It has, like, a little bar showing that it's active, and it shows how many transactions have been sent. Yeah, and then they fixed a, a couple, a few bugs. Uh, trust PSBT setting for multi-sig wallets was being ignored. Thanks to Casa Hodl for reporting this. Shout out, Casa. Uh, Casa's about to add cold card. <laughs> XPUB values volunteered uh, in the global section of a PSBT for a single signer file would cause errors but okay multi-sig cold card is now able to handle this although it doesn't need them and then 3.1.1 uh, had a bug which broke the new non-zero count export feature so they fixed that and rush pushed 3.1.2 so shout out to Rodolfo and team it's Rodolfo so what happened in 3.1.2 3.1.1 had a bug which broke the new non-zero account export feature oh I missed that that was like one of the main features that 3.1.1 added. Okay, well, great. I'm glad they released a fix real quick. Yes. Um, and then talking about focus is what I talked about in the bent today. It seems that Square's focus on Bitcoin only is paying off. They had another... Disclosure, their spot... <laughs> Disclaimer. Dude, your fucking disclosure at the top of the bent was very nice. Yeah, as you may be aware, Freaks Cash F is a sponsor of this rag and TFTC's podcast... Uh, however, your Uncle Marty's thoughts are his own. Make sure you use the code stacking stats when you download the app if you haven't already. That's the disclosure I expect from Trace every time he fuds private Bitcoin usage. I, I own a shit ton of Mibblewimble coin. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, but I was disclosing because I was about to write about Square, because I did write about Square. Um, and again, this just so, so happened to be the week that Cash App had the ad in the newsletter, but it wasn't paid content. I can promise you that it is genuine interest from your boy uncle marty here i think we're more critical of our sponsors than anyone else i agree too um but yeah cash up had a banger of a qu fourth quarter uh their growth year on year from fourth quarter 2018 uh their sales were up 240 percent which is pretty huge um their bitcoin volume last quarter in sales according to the block which used average price estimates so this could be lower it's ex extrapolated data right yeah it's extrapolated with, with the bitcoin volumes i'm pretty sure um the block is extrapolating twenty two thousand two hundred seventy two bitcoin in volume last month which is a considerable amount of the block rewards that were excuse me the block subsidies that were uh distributed 
Um, don't forget people are selling too as well. Um, so it's something to take into consideration. People actually sell on Cash App? I don't know. I haven't. Freaks, if you sold on Cap- Cash App, slap yourself. <laughs> Got to stack those sats. Um, it's a one-way street. Yeah. Me. And so like the first half of the event, like, I think the focus on Bitcoin is really paying off. And Jack came out. He was quoted in the Blocks article. They had their earnings call yesterday. Like he truly believes in Bitcoin and Square and their initiatives and Cash App are, uh, are going to work towards making Bitcoin more open. And they truly see it as something that's going to uh, democratize finance across the world, not just here in the U.S. Um, and yeah, I, th- I think uh, at the same time, I fucked this up in the in the email. I said <laughs> Coinbase's uh, Bitcoin sales fell by forty percent. That's not true, freaks. Uh, the growth rate of their Bitcoin sales fell by 40%. Fake news, man. Fake news. And that was, that was a fuck up. That's, fu- that's on me. That's on me. Bad fuck up there. But still, the point remains. Uh, it looks like... Uh, I mean, Coinbase still dwarfs Cash App, right? Yeah, I believe so. Um, but the growth rate's falling. And I think uh, those who have more focus and Bitcoin only are, are going to reap the benefits of uh, focus in the long term. Where if somebody goes to Coinbase now... They go and they see 27 coins. Like, what the fuck do I buy? They're a little bamboozled. Um, and it's a bit confusing. And I think from a UX, from an ethical perspective, what Cash App is doing, just offering Bitcoin and educating them about Bitcoin, their users about Bitcoin, uh, is the most advantageous way to go. And a lot of people already have it installed, too, which is fucking fantastic. It's outpaced Venmo. ARK Invest recently released a report that said um, their growth is outpacing Venmo now. I think their growth was outpacing, but their actually monthly monthly active users is fully outpaced them now. Um, and and Cash App is like serves people like the people who need it most, like in the inner cities and stuff uh, like that. It does. I mean, that's how it started, and that's where it's popular. It's, it's still like it's in all the rap songs as well. It's not Bitcoin, you know. What do you mean? Like it still, you know, requires like people who can't open bank accounts probably can't open cash app account either yeah you can get you can get your checks deposited right to it but like why can't they open a bank account probably because of like banking regulation and stuff like that right i don't know it definitely makes it easier for them to open one if they were already qualified to open a bank account yes um the other thing is our boy miles Suter teased that they're gonna make sats sats the standard fuck yes fuck yes um so you can display in sats and they're going to add an auto-buy feature, um, which is fucking awesome. We love auto-buys auto here. You just Because then you don't have to, you know, you freaks know how much trouble uh, we have, or at least I have at staying humble. Um, you don't have to stay humble. You can just set your humility, and then <laughs> it just, you set it and forget it, and you just stay humble, stack sats all the time. It's really just setting the the stack sats part of it. This is really dictate whether or not you're humble. Well, if you just then if you just ignore the app from that point, then it's much easier to stay humble. You're not like you don't think about the price or anything like that. It's just your 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 weekly buy just every week just goes through. Yeah, it, so does, it does make the the humble part a, a little bit easier. Yeah. So Miles teased that. I retweeted it and put it in the bent too. Uh, he had a screenshot of his phone where he received. Uh, 200 and some odd thousand sats from an auto buy um so that's two two boxes checked off your list there what do we have left slow and steady we have uh i know we have merchants square merchants accepting bitcoin and keeping it oh yeah and then i wanted a sats back boost we'll see if we get that 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 seems pretty plausible yeah 
Sats back boost. You spend fiat, you stack sats. That's what I want. Um, and then lightning integration would be dope, but I didn't put it on the checklist because I didn't think they'd get through the checklist so quickly. Hey, don't sleep on Cash App, all right? And then like while we're just sending out feature requests, like a completely unrealistic feature request that I would love is if they just coin joined all user funds. Hey, you, you heard us. Just coin join everything, you know? Help us get to that, uh, that threshold level where nothing is considered taint because everything is tainted. Fuck yes. And taint is subjective. It's a, it's a slur. Every, make every spend a coin join. Yes, we should get to that. Um, this is something I threw on the list right before uh, Matt strolled over here. Uh, the team at Short Bits, Chris Stewart. Uh, I don't want to mess up Ben's name. Ben Cameron, right? Oh, I have no idea. Give me a second here. Because you threw it on right before we came on. Ben, Ben the Carbon. Ben oh, Ben, the, our boy Ben. Yeah, our boy Ben. I don't want to uh, mess up yeah. his name. At Ben the Carman, uh, on Twitter. Uh, he's at Short Bits. Uh, a bunch of other people are obviously working there as well. But they've been doing a lot of incredible work. I wanted to highlight them. Uh, they've been doing a lot of work to number one, educate Bitcoin users, and then two, pushing the tech forward. And it's to me at least very, extremely impressive, especially what they're doing with discrete log contracts right now. They just released a demonstration of uh, an implementation of discrete log contracts that they're working on. And basically this would allow individuals to enter smart contract agreements and bet on stuff and other things, outcomes of events. Uh, and the example they used was Alice and Bob um, betting on whether or not the price would be over 10000 dollars at the end of the day and uh, basically the way it works there's some trade-offs with these discrete law contracts specifically the one that short bits is working on um, there is an element of trust uh, well, before we get to the trust element the way it works is alice and bob put up sats uh, in a dlc and uh, basically once the event the block height of the event is over uh, in oracle that's where you have to trust will uh, basically distribute the funds based on the outcome of the event. Um, so it seems like, uh, uh, like sophisticated smart contracts are coming to Bitcoin. Um, and then on top of it, so this is Trad Dija. He, he um, uh, basically presented this. Is that the right word? He created this. Uh, Taj Dija. Oh, I'm not From sure. MIT. He created discrete lock on or wrote the paper on this implementation. It could be used on any blockchain. Shortbits is working uh, on it for Bitcoin specifically. And basically it is a, uh, like smart contracts on Ethereum, for example, are uh, very uh, data intensive and then they're not as private as they can be. Discrete long contracts uh, allow you to be less data intensive and more private. Um, so when you're actually engaging in a DLC, uh, the, the, uh, the Oracle doesn't even know what you're betting on or that you are betting on something. Uh, they're just providing the data and that's where the trust element comes in. Uh, the so, Oracle's just reporting what happened in real life. Exactly. Uh, so this is, they have a five, five blog post series on this. And so like any Oracle sc scheme, we're going to need to trust, uh, we're going to need to trust an Oracle. However, the DLC scheme provides us with a lot of nice, often built in trust mitigation. Firstly, the Oracle does not know that you or your contract exist. Second, you can and should add a time-locked fund refund um, of your CET, which stands for um, 
contract execution. This is like way over our heads. Transactions, yes. Uh, in case Oracle becomes unre- unresponsive and again. The so, key thing here is is that two parties can can make a bet on chain, right? Yes. Where where and it has a, a trusted third party that's reporting the outcome of the bet. Yes. And if the trusted third party um, doesn't have control of the funds and can't steal the funds. They don't have control of the funds, but they could fuck up the data. And if they do fuck up the data, it's forever cryptographically uh, fucked up on the chain. And it's a reputation game. So you would never use that. And they could Oracle also, again. theoretically, the Oracle could be one side of the bet. Well, that's the beauty of it. Like the Oracle, the way this is set up, the Oracle doesn't know that you're engaging in a bet. So you would, I would go to you directly and be like, hey, let's create a, a DLC. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be like, um, on the internet, let's create a random one. The Oracle would find it and create it with me. I think it's for people who like would have bet one-on-one with each other. Right, but the Oracle could be a part of the bet and the other party wouldn't know. I think that, eh, possibly. But I think this is more geared towards people who... Are, do, do people know who the other party is that they're making a bet in this situation? Or are they think, like posting online, like, I, you know, think Bitcoin will be over 10,000? I think it could be either or. So if you do the, the, at my side, then you don't know if the person who receives, who's on the other side of the bet is, this is what Augur tried to solve was like this, this Oracle problem, um, where like you have to, at the end of the day, you have to rely on a trusted third party. Um, to act in good faith or like based on a reputation system, which is basically where we're at with like betting sites and stuff, right? Like if a betting site reported that the Packers won when the Packers really lost, um, then no one would ever use that betting site. Like that would fucking suck. Uh, So it becomes like a reputation game. Yeah. So a reputation game where lying is punishable. Um, How is it punishable? And telling the truth is rewarded since the Oracle could be anonymously paid for their service. So is there like a bond in place or something? Is there a security deposit the Oracle is putting in? No, the Oracle is not putting in any money. They're just, they're just signing a signature that says, hey, this is what happened at this point in time. One of the cool but the th- people engaging in the contract could potentially uh, basically tip the Oracle. The cool thing about Augur is basically they have like multiple Oracles, and then if you like report it incorrectly... And the majority reports it the other way, and you report it the other way from the majority. You're in the minority of how you report it. Then it assumes you were wrong and you're lying, and then it just immediately slashes your funds, like takes away. That's like how. That's like the main mechanism for how they tried to solve this issue. Yeah. Well, you you freaks are listening to two assholes trying to describe something they don't completely like on understand. On the fly. I've reached out to short bits. We're going to get them on the podcast. Thank you. Let's do that. I and, appreciate that. And uh, they'll they'll explain it more clearly than, than we are right now. And also, like, yeah, I'm going to also look into it this week. Yeah. Because no. you kind of just dropped on me like a half an hour ago. Yeah, well. Yeah. It's good. I'm glad we covered it. No, that's the thing, though. Like, short bits. Uh, I've known Chris for a while. I met him at Consensus a couple years ago. Um, he comes to town for bit devs every once in a while. He's the one leading the Chicago bit devs. Um, and he's been, he's had this idea and had been bringing it to fruition for, for years now. And it's uh short bits. The team is like really heads down, not, uh, not, uh, don't, they don't pump their shit too much. They're just, that's what we're here ju- for. They just get shit done. We'll, we'll pump the shit. Yeah. We're here to pump short bit shit. Go check it out. Shortbits.com. Hopefully we'll do a more informed pump next week. Yes. Um, 
what else do we got here? We're moving on to macros. Oh, not all day. Not all day uh, is March 24th in San Francisco. Uh, the not all team is, is throwing an event. They're going to have a dinner, I believe, right? Uh, there'll be food and drink, and we have a lot of good speakers coming. Uh, I'm running the show. I'm going to be the MC. It's my first MC uh, duty, if you don't count the Citadel workshops. And this is one thing Esquedo and I have been talking about. Esquedo, I'm sorry. Uh, I have not uh, brought this up until now, but... We want to do in conjunction with Nottle a Nottle giveaway uh, to somebody. We've been talking about this for months. We have been talking about this for months. We'd like to, but it, we want you freaks to help us decide who we should give it to. And the idea is that we give it to somebody uh, in in the public eye who's interested in Bitcoin and may want to learn more. Like a non pleb. Yeah, non pleb um, who's got a, a platform that could help boost Bitcoin uh, and, and basically somebody who's showing interest in. Uh, who you think we should get a noddle in the hands of so they can toy around with it and, and get to know Bitcoin a little bit more intimately. Like people like Joe Kern on CNBC. Yeah, Guy Dami or other people. <laughs> Russell Kuhn. So if you have any ideas, drop that in the comments. Yes. Um, on Twitter. And Michelle Fawn or something like that. But they, So noddle day, we're doing that March 24th in San Francisco before Bitcoin 2020. So if you're going to Bitcoin 2020, consider coming to the noddle day. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and it's got a, it's a great price. It's one sat per ticket. So, oh, wow. We're making sats the standard in, in more ways than one. That's, uh, that might be the lowest, uh, ticket price I've ever heard. Best deal in Bitcoin. I'm not sure if they're accepting on-chain payments, but I think it'd be pretty funny if people paid like 400 sats to send one sat, but I'm not <laughs> sure if they are. No. Not recommended. <laughs> Just use lightning. Um, this is pretty fucked. I didn't know this until you sent me the link today. Uh, there was a Wi-Fi flaw exposed, and billions of devices are. Including iPhones and iPads, which are probably the big ones. iPhones, iPads, Android. Asus uh, routers. Uh, well, that's what they're saying. The routers are the biggest problem because people usually don't update their, their no routers. No one updates their routers. Update your routers, freaks. Yeah. Buy a new one. It's been sitting there for seven years. Buy a new one. Yeah. So it's, yeah, so iPhones, iPads, Macs, Amazon Echoes, Kindles, Android devices, Raspberry Pi 3s, and Wi-Fi routers uh, from Asus in Hawaii. It's pretty bad. Uh, very bad. Um, apparently, uh, they can break. all the handheld devices have, all the devices have, have pushed uh, patches, but again, not someone, many people Basically, someone who routers. was within range of your Wi-Fi could intercept the communication between device and router uh and break the encryption and see everything yes so this is like another example of why for important things you should be using dedicated hardware like hard hardwired connection not wi-fi um yeah this is why the noddle doesn't come with wi-fi out of the box yeah you're sending messages across connected to your connected to ethernet all, all all important stuff should be connected directly to ethernet you should be updating your router all the time but like in this case how do you update your router in this case like imagine i update my router all the time how do you do it you have to go to like you have your, to go into your router settings it depends what router you have but the thing is you you've already go. lost if you're using your internet service provider's router which is what you're using right most likely yeah so, like, Verizon or whoever your internet service provider is updating your router for you. I think they do it relatively automatic. But you should check your router settings anyway. But regardless, Verizon or whoever your internet service provider is, when you allow them to use your router, they just are running all this shit in there, and it's not a good thing. 
So you should try and get an independent router. Um, but like, even in this case, like this was iPhones, right? So you went to Starbucks and you, your iPhone was connected or whatever. How many people are exploiting this, do you think? Well, all the, the, the Apple devices were all patched in October. I know, but like the, uh, the attack is out there, but like how many, how many hackers exploiting this do you think there are? Look, and they have to be in range of your Wi-Fi. You know, this is why it's nice to have like a citadel in the woods, you know, because they have to like drive onto your property to get to access to your Wi-Fi. That was another one where you almost ratioed me this week. Dude, your bent this week was the best explanation of my citadel theory that I've ever read. The strong towns? Yeah. You call it localism. I call it citadels. I know. That's what it is. You're turning me on citadels a little bit. I just don't like the Citadel version of Mad Max. That's like the it Citadel so, I go to first. No, it doesn't. You don't have to be. See, now you're being like Noriel and Trace about it. I'm sorry. You know? I'm like, sorry. We don't have to take it to the extreme. I'm sorry. We're not going to be just like throwing water down on, on the masses. Well, like some people will use the public utility water pump and some people will have better water. You know, like that's the unfortunate reality of, of where we're going. Yeah, that's. Uh, I'm actually reaching out to Chuck Marone, who wrote Strong Towns, and uh, that was the subject of of that bent. Was a section um, of that book. What was it exactly? Oh, the the metaphor of do you want an economy? It's it's what we've been talking about a lot on this podcast. Growth at all costs doesn't make sense to me. Um, number one, you're going to destroy the earth in the process at some point. Number two, like nothing just grows forever. It's just in nature, it doesn't make make much sense um, unless you're trying to destroy something. So, the uh, analogy that was proposed by a economist, Tomas, I forget his last name, but it's basically: Do you want to be uh, an economy that's able to stand on its own two feet, or forced to ride a bike? And we are definitely on an economy that's forced to ride a bike. When you're on a bike, you are forced to move forward at all times and keep going. You don't want to have the ability to stop, recalibrate, and uh, sort of course correct with your decisions. You have to keep growth going or everything collapses. If you stop pedaling the bike, you're going to fall over. You want an economy that is more like a person standing on their feet. They're able to stop, look around, uh, figure out where they messed up, and uh, they don't have to grow at all costs. You can have a couple years where growth is stagnant or even falls a little bit, and that may be okay. I want to read, I want to take a moment to read Marty's eloquent uh, explanation of Citadel theory. <laughs> this may actually be the only way out of the tyranny of the modern growth at all costs mindset. Incremental bottom-up changes from local governments that make the conscious decision to take agency over their futures. If small towns, municipalities, and, citadel, and cities, but let's call them citadels, had the balls to opt out and take their destiny into their own hands, they would take incremental steps to break away from the tyranny of the bike and stand on their own two feet. I like that. Thank you. This is the best explanation of Citadels that I've ever read. Well, I appreciate that. Unintentional. I didn't know I was describing Citadels, but it seems like I may be. How do we do that, though? How do we, like, get back to localism? It is a decision that you have to make, like, at a township level. Thank One you. step at a time. You know, for, for these small communities to be able to access a global financial system without permission is a huge step forward in that, in that regard. One of the interesting things here is, like, I see this move to localism, but I don't see it as, like, old-school localism because I think, you know, with global communications and Bitcoin, a, a global financial network, that both don't require permission or are, you know, per, you know, permission resistant, I guess, if you want to call them. Permission we could less. have, 
we could have these small local economies that are connected to the global sphere without having that like nation state in between. Yeah, without you know having I mean? capital controls possible. Or but they're still like trading with other local yeah. municipalities or citadels, we could call them. Yeah. Yeah, and there's no, yeah, again, you can't stop the flow of money or that trade. You'd have to physically stop the flow of that trade, but then you get into a whole nother can of worms. Marty, we dropped like $1,500 this week. Why am I in such a good mood? I don't know. I, I mean, it, it, I'm always in a good mood when it comes to Bitcoin. It, it, were blocks produced? Blocks were produced. Okay. On an average of 10 minutes, 0.1 second, right? 10 minutes and one second. So yeah, like almost no, in line second. with uh, Satoshi's vision. Satoshi's real vision. Um, Satoshi's vision. Yeah, I'm happy this week too. Uh, yeah, I'm happy this week because I, I experimented with uh, a lot of Bitcoin stuff. It was a good Bitcoin experiment week for you, boy. Um, feels good to get your hands dirty. And again, practice does make perfect. It, get, it makes you um, more comfortable with this stuff. It is daunting at times, but don't be afraid to, to get your hands dirty. Get your hands fucking dirty. It's the only way to learn. That's true. Um, last topic, we're going to end on some macro and coronavirus talk. Uh, yesterday's bent. And we got to talk about ProgPal, too. Cause that oh, ProgPal. Prog, Matt put it in the list, ProgPal, LOL. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about ProgPal first, then we'll get a macro. What is ProgPal? It is a, uh initiative to change the mining algorithm for uh, Ethereum uh, to make it ASIC resistant, I believe. Right. And the theory is that they're scared that miners aren't cool with proof of stake, which they aren't. So if we fork them out now, then they can't do shenanigans later. Yes. So I have like a bunch of takes on this. There's so many takes. Hey, I thought Ethereum was created to solve the governance problem. It was clearly, it is, it is, seems like a more of a clusterfuck than Bitcoin. At least like Bitcoin is like pure anarchy. Um, yeah, Bitcoin doesn't, is up front with the trade-offs. Like, in this we case, own this. In this case, it seemed like ProgPow had been shelved like three months ago, four months ago, and then all of a sudden there was a dev call and the devs and Vitalik and stuff were just like, we're going to do ProgPow now. Like yeah, all the last... major stakeholders. Like I'm sure they got Lubin on the line. Lubin was like, I'm down for ProgPow. And like they, they're, they're going to make it happen. This was last um, Friday, right? Yeah, and if people don't run nodes um, and there's not this culture of pushing back and, and verifying then they're going to always be able to steamroll these hard fork changes. But the weird thing to me is there's two weird things. The first thing is um, every time a chain, first of all, ASICs are fucking awesome. Proof of work is fucking awesome. Paul, you and Paul talked about this last week. You know, proof of work, distributed proof of work is, is, the, is the innovation here. Um, and every time you... You're freaking out your miners. Your miners are putting investment. We saw a Bitcoin's hash rate. Of money. Bitcoin's hash rate keeps going up. Ethereum's has flatlined. And the reason is because no one wants to spend money on this shit when they're afraid that at any moment their ASICs could get bricked. Or they or finally Ethereum will move to proof of stake and then it'll they'll really be bricked, right? Um, so they're not gonna put investment in and even if for some reason the prog power doesn't go through. Um, just discussing it delays research and development and investment costs and all, all this stuff. Like no one's putting money in right now. Cause, uh, cause imagine if you were researching in, in, in Ethereum ASIC right now, and then like in two weeks, three weeks, they, sure. they, they fork them out. And then the last thing is like, that's the dumbest fucking reason ever to do it. Because if miners are going to protest 
move the move to prove mistake why wouldn't they protest the move to prog pow like if they're going to do a contentious fork they'll do it now right yeah it's uh it doesn't make any sense there's no logic here well does that surprise you uh it doesn't surprise the history of ethereum has proven that logic uh gets thrown out the door sometimes and yeah like you said um these might like there are multiple stakeholders in this this these systems that's what i think uh ethereum uh discounts a lot like miners are like you said putting a lot of capital into this stuff a lot of blood sweat money and energy uh into this and you can't have unknowns and like with ProgPal and the amorphous transition to proof of stake that's what they've created like you said they're their hash rate is flatlined, but it's still 40% or 30 to 40% below its all-time high. So it's flatlined after falling precipitously. Yeah, uh, flatline was being generous. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, Paul and, I, and speaking on proof of stake, go check out the episode I had with Paul Stork earlier this week where we talk about uh, proof of stake versus proof of work. And it's funny, Paul, in 2014, like on his blog, had conversations with Vitalik and... Uh, Who's the other guy? Vlad and Jaquan, who may have gone crazy this week, the Definity guy. Um, <laughs> and they basically agreed with him that proof of stake probably wasn't advantageous, and yet they're still going. And this going was before the Ethereum presale even happened. Yeah. yeah. Know your history first. Uh, I really enjoyed the prediction market aspect of your episode with Paul. Yeah, it's towards the end. Um, well, like if we had a coronavirus prediction market, what do you think like about maybe drive- people would have better information instead of everyone like just not panicking and then just panicking in like a matter of like three days? Yeah. What are your thoughts on drive chains? A lot of it's a very uh, contentious topic for a lot of people. My understanding is it doesn't require a fork, right? It's a soft fork. Yeah. There's BIPs out for it. BIPs three hundred and three hundred one, I believe. It's on his website. Yeah, no, I you know, I don't have an opinion on it really. The, the, but miners can steal funds and stuff like that. Yeah, right, but is the issue. if you listen to the episode, Paul, there's like a lockup or something, right? Yeah, there's a three to six month lockup, which is pretty long period of time. I thought, let me put it this way: I thought it was vaporware until I listened to your most recent episode, and then he was like, he made some like compelling cases towards it being. Well, the reason, a decent trade-off, you know? Yeah, and the reason I brought him on is because of that thread I had about Jevons' paradox in the fee market. And it seems that if drive chains or similar side chains become a thing, they could be very supportive to a fee market in the future. So definitely go listen to that episode. It's a long one. Paul can talk. I think I talked for like five minutes in that episode. Were you in that episode? I missed that part. <laughs> it was a great episode. I was happy Paul. to let him ramble. He's, again, and like I said in the tweet when I sent out the... Uh, the episode, he thinks different. I like that. Um, he's a unique thinker in this space. He doesn't fall into any any bucket that I can think of. But anyway, I want a coronavirus prediction market. Is that is that too much to ask, Marty? FTX. What, what would the what would the prediction be? How many deaths? Yeah, you do like there'll be twenty thousand deaths in America due to coronavirus. Yes or no? I'm still so fucking as confused. of September one or something. I'm so confused. What do you think, Marty? Do you think there'll be twenty more than twenty thousand deaths or less than twenty thousand deaths in well, the United States? Well, we even know we don't Should even we have, do a mini prediction market. Don't we have like five hundred test kits in the states? I'll take the under. I'm gonna take the under too. Oh, you're gonna take the under too? You can't take the under. Then we don't have a prediction market. Then we just have a 
two buddies agreeing. I'm. What I, do you think about ten thousand deaths? Do you think there'll be more than ten thousand deaths in the United States? I don't know, man. I'm so fucking confused. Where what level? But see, this is where prediction markets are really useful, right? Because like, what are we looking at here? Uh, meanwhile, you have like the S and P is just fucking falling off a complete fucking cliff over the last three days. Bitcoin seems to have dropped with it. Um, are Sats still my safe haven? <laughs> yes. Bitcoin's non-correlated. Uh, but it's been kind of correlated with the S&P recently. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's confusing. But this is what I kind well, of envision well, in a me, crisis. So let's not right? focus on coronavirus right now. I think coronavirus is going to be a cop-out for sure. the degradation of uh, an economy that would have happened anyway. So House of cards. Uh, yes. And I, I wrote about this yesterday in the Ben. If you look at subprime markets, um, they are starting to falter again. So smaller banks... Um, issuing credit cards, which is usually to subprime uh, borrowers, uh, their delinquency rates, so people have not paid back their credit cards in over three months and 90 plus days is up at 7% right now. Uh, right before the crisis, it was at about 5% and 6%. It peaked at 6% in 2009. So we're above uh, the Great Recession crisis level of subprime credit card delinquency rates. And then uh, since the uh, the Great Recession, uh, auto loan, um, auto loans have have been going through the roof. They were at about uh, auto loan delinquency rates. Excuse me, have been going through the roof. In Q four twenty ten, they were at about thirty eight billion dollars uh, worth of uh, auto loans were delinquent by ninety plus days. Today, it's sixty six billion. Percentage wise, that's about five percent of all auto loans, which is right where it was in q3 2009 so the subprime markets what happened are, in 2009 <laughs> everything went to shit man um so like we're at in the subprime market, and that's what caused 2009 was a subprime market it was a subprime uh debt crisis right the the mbs the mortgage-backed securities all the shitty uh mortgages within those products died first and they brought everything down with it so it seems like subprime markets are are getting pretty frothy again and then on top of that another stat which is pretty freaky. The amount of CEOs that are leaving their companies uh, in the last few months has been increasing significantly, which signals to me that people are trying to get out before the fall. So, Marty, the S&P is currently trading at 3,038. What was the high, 36? The high was, like, the all-time high? Yeah, like a couple months ago. 3,373. And now it's at... Three zero three eight. Oh, three zero three. Okay, so we've like erased like six months again. So we're in like November twenty nineteen right now. Yes. Um, September one. September one. Are we above or below three thousand? <sighs> because here, this is my framing. So here's my thought. It's and this has been something that's been true for the last decade. Like you never want to try to call a top because the Fed will always come in and prop up markets, but. But that being said, that is consensus right now. Everybody and their mother is confident that the Fed is going to step in and save these markets. And that alone, that heuristic. Yes. And that alone, the fact that everybody thinks that is going to happen and that's going to save the markets makes me want to be a contrarian and call it top. Like, there's no way that everybody can believe this and it be true. I've called the top for the last five years. But it's never, the consensus has never been. And the consensus is the Fed will step in and prop up markets. That used to be taboo. If you would even, that was like zero hedge stuff. Like zero hedge was saying this years ago and they get fucking lambasted for it. 
now you have everybody and their mother on CNBC, Bloomberg, uh, Fintwit, wherever, saying it's a foregone conclusion that the Fed will step in and prop up so markets. So September 1st, do you think it'll be under 3000 I'm going to go below. I think we're going to have a big correct. You want to put $50 on it? I'll put $50. Okay. Let's shake. We'll shake. We just shake. We just shook. Murad, you still owe us dinner. That's like a prediction market. <laughs> he owes two dinners. No, just one. One dinner? Just one dinner. This yeah, just me. one dinner. Yeah. Yeah. If you're listening, Murad. That was like a $3,000 call, too, right. but on Bitcoin. September 1st, it'll be below 3078. 3000. Okay. Below 3000. All right. Fuck. Because I'm like, so I've just been a bear, like an equity bear for like the last five years, six years, and like a Bitcoin bull. So I'm like, is this my bearish bias showing? But it does seem like. I mean, if you're looking we at. be gearing up here for a big one. Yeah. I mean, again, looking at the subprime markets and these, these CEOs jumping ship, like they have the most intimate knowledge of what's going on. That graph on. you posted today really says it. It's yeah. Because I was like, is this like a usual amount of CEOs dropping out? Like, are we just looking for it, you know, confirm our bias? No. It is. Uh more like last last month alone 231 stepped down you had mastercard visa or not visa mastercard uh salesforce disney right disney um l brands a bunch of other companies stepped down within recent weeks which is weird um it seems like they're cashing out at the top and it's all like i said in the bent that i'm referencing right now it's all fucking financial engineering game like all this is enabled by, by financial engineering lowering the barrier to entry to credit for the sake of economic growth. You get the subprime borrowers in, you give them lines of credit, and then when prices get out of their reach and they can't pay off, they're going to default. It's just going to fucking happen. But because you want the show to go on, because we're on a bike, and we need growth to fucking continue, you're going to lower your 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 standards and give out some bad credit, which has been happening. Uh, you're going to allow massive buybacks by these CEOs of their company stocks so that can make it seem like their companies are doing better than they actually are, but they're really just doing a financial engineering game to work their earnings per share up. Uh, it's not really actual growth. It's a fucking accounting game. And on top of that, you had the Fed printing money and lowering interest rates to keep all these failing companies afloat instead of letting the cult, the herd get culled. Counterpoint, scams pump the hardest. <sighs> Well, yeah, we were, yeah. <laughs> like, the scams, like, te- is Tesla a scam? Tesla pumped pretty hard. Yep, yeah, I'm not co- calling it necessarily a scam, but it's definitely going to trend to zero in Bitcoin terms long term. Yeah. And yeah, I ended it with, this is also fucked, but... So where do you where do you put your money? I money? just did. I already I already shook your hand. I'm saying below 3,000 in September. I could definitely be wrong, though. No, I have been wrong like, in the past. Where do Americans put their money? Where do, where do global citizens put their money if they're worried about this kind of... Um, I don't want to say Bitcoin, because honestly, like if there's people out there who are ever overextended in Bitcoin, they're going to sell that shit to survive if shit does happen. Well, I think fan. that's what we've seen in the last couple of days. Yeah. Like, where it's like a liquidity crunch. Yeah. But I, I, the way I envision any Bitcoin handling any kind of crises especially since it's a relatively liquid global 24-7 traded asset, um, is that first you will see it dip with everything else, and then it will rise through the ashes as the true safe haven it is. This is actually a good point. Um, And we didn't have it on the list. Maybe should have. Al Jazeera was reporting from Lebanon that 
a lot of Lebanese citizens are turning to Bitcoin as their banking system is failing them. Banks are shutting down and uh, not allowing people to get out as much money as they should be able to. It's been going on for months now. And I mean, this is anecdotal. This one Al Jazeera uh, story interviewing Lebanese people on the ground who are apparently turning to Bitcoin. And that is true. Maybe, maybe people will turn to Bitcoin. I don't know. Well, there's like an Argentinian who posted, who was like, uh, we're more concerned about our next currency devaluation yeah, than yeah. coronavirus. Yeah, exactly. I mean, God bless you, Argentinians. I'm sorry. Government prints or issues a hundred year fucking bonds and they default on them within like two years. So should years. we be panicking about coronavirus? I think coronavirus is a scapegoat for the But regardless crisis. if it's a scapegoat, should we be... No, stay healthy, wash your hands, like... I think one thing people don't talk about enough is Most like people are dying or like over 50, I believe. Get like a good night's sleep. Yeah. It's like important. Don't do you your push ups. Like, <laughs> not medical advice. We're not doctors. Definitely not doctors, but. But you should. I, one of the reasons like, I haven't well, panicked. The high, the high end of the projections are 8 million people will die. That's 0.1% of the world. Like, you have a 0.1% chance of dying. No, I think it's higher than that. What is it? I don't know. Twitter like throws around crazy. Do you see Balaji's tweet the other day? He was like, "This is going to be worse than 9-11. That was a, that was a take and a half. That was some. That was some question. The only way tweet. it could be worse than nine eleven is they use it as a crutch to institute like draconian measures, like that the might Patriot happen, Act, right? Like Patriot Act. Yeah. Like be vigilant. I could see them banning cash. Yeah. Cash. Cash transfers. But coronavirus. Com- comparing deaths from the coronavirus to deaths from nine eleven is a pretty. That's pretty fucked, right? Yeah, it's a weak take. Uh, I'm not going to co-sign that take. It was, I was a questionable take. I, look, I, I have a prepper strain in me, but like a prepper living in a city. So like I kind of, you know, I know when I move out of the city, I'm going to go full on mode. Uh, but like people should have at any time, they should be prepared for, you know, two weeks, that kind of thing. And then you don't panic in these situations and you don't freak the fuck out. Um, just basic things, you know. Yeah, no, I, I have two weeks supply of food in my freezer, if need be. I did, yeah, I did, I did do a little prepping this week because I'm not worried about the coronavirus. I'm worried about people freaking out about the coronavirus. People are guaranteed to freak out. I, that's basically my conclusion is even if the virus isn't bad, people are already fucking panicking. Yeah. It turns really quick. And we can add this to the list of things that weren't priced in correctly, right? So, um, right. It's not like all of a sudden, like something massively changed over the last three days that just led to huge falls well, the, in the S and P, right? I'm pissed at the CDC. They came out like, and just like, it seemed like they were trying to incite panic, like prepare. Well, they have to. They probably have to be over, um, over cautious. But still, like their announcement. They haven't like, been overcautious though, because they haven't like they're not releasing testing kits and shit. Yeah, and they're not like, I saw a tweet like, individual hospitals and doctors like had to ask permission from the FDA to create we, their own testing kits. Like we that's all fucked. Know this shit. Don't ask permission. Just fucking do it. Like our government has grown very big and very inept, and this is one of the reasons why I'm attracted to Bitcoin in the first place, right? Like this, these are no surprises. These, yeah. are, these are things you should just expect. Yeah, you see, 9-11 was the bad, was the bad analogy. You should have used Katrina. It could be another Katrina. Where it or was Sandy. Sh- yeah, or something like that. If you wanted his New York-related metaphors. Yeah. Um, I think Katrina was worse than Sandy, though. Unless you were a New Yorker, then Sandy was worse. I was here. I was actually still living in Chicago, but I was visiting my wife. I was no, stuck Katrina here. Katrina was definitely worse. I mean, Katrina hit a poor area. 
right? Yeah. If you hit a rich area, you do more notional damage, but the recovery is easier because there's more money. Yes. Yeah, but Katrina showed, like, yeah, America was not ready for that. FEMA's inept. And then, like, what, the FEMA camps. you see Trump put, like, Mike Pence in charge of coronavirus, yeah. and he doesn't he, even believe in science and shit. Like, he oversaw, like, the biggest, like, AIDS HIV, epidemic uh, in Indiana. <laughs> in, like, modern history. <laughs> what the fuck? And, and we, they put him in charge of it. Like, you kidding me, man? I don't know. Somebody responded to, to my Ben yesterday to respect the, uh, the, uh, the president because i called cause I orange called, face or orange tinge president stocks are at all-time highs trust yourself for well, that didn't age well right um no it does piss me off i mean we we have enough politician hate on this podcast you freaks know how we feel about these people well the in these systems like, will the price of will sats per dollar ever go under 10k again <laughs> yeah, so well. Obviously. I love that reverse like thought way of thinking of it. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't think we're staying under ten thousand forever. Should we? Do you see like we could have a prolonged we could have a prolonged grinding bear market? Bitcoin um, Twitter. That's what happened in twenty fifteen. It's freaking out way more over this dump than I expected. Yeah, the fact that Ryan Selkis is leaning in gives me a little. Uh, What's a coronavirus? Yeah, coronavirus specialist. Yeah. There's a lot of coronavirus specialists in Bitcoin, Twitter, and crypto Twitter. You know, it's amazing. I, to me. I tried to be one for like a week, and then I noticed I don't know shit. Yeah, no, you got to stay humble about it. Yeah, and I, I've said this like on three episodes. Right, I don't know shit. I'm very confused. Just be kind to people and be prepared for yourself, and keep your eyes vigilant and don't panic. Um, wash your hands. Do your push-ups. Wash your hands a lot. Supposedly, yeah. it's like a thing. Yeah, and. Uh, and don't let them, like, take away our rights for some fear-mongering bullshit, Head. you know? Yeah. And fuck you, Trace. <laughs> yeah. And, and mix your coins. Coin join. Coin join. Coin join. Run your node. Consider running a lightning node over Tor. Yeah. And pump those numbers up. If we want to get to localism, a.k.a. citadels, I think we need Bitcoin first. I think Bitcoin's the first step. It's going to be really interesting. I just keep... Like, if it was up to me, this episode would just be, like, a Samurai Whirlpool launch party. Because I think, like, this is going to be a big thing. Like, people are going to talk about it in, like, 20 years, 30 years. Like, where were you? Where were you? Yeah. I was drinking Michter's with Matt O'Dell. Fuck yes. Cheers. Cheers, brother. All right, freaks. We're going to stop annoying you. That's all we got. Are we stay humble, humble stack Are we staying humble? Yeah, we're staying Fuck humble. Fuck yeah, stay humble all the time, guys. Peace and love. Take care. Fuck you, Andrew.